Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. Today's guest, we've been very excited, and I'm glad we're making this happen today. We're going to be speaking with Christy Sullivan. Christy's mission is to help you stop overworking and keep listening and start overflowing. It's like what I always say. She uses human design and self-care. We're going to talk about her new book that just came out. We're going to talk about human design. And guess what? We're going to talk. So with that, I welcome Christy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Stephanie. It's a pleasure to connect with you and so grateful for this opportunity. Excellent. So I want to know, tell us about you and it's anywhere you want to start. Great. <laughs> Let me see. Where should I start? <laughs> and I'm being mindful. We don't have all night, but this is great. I will start with, I'm a human design expert, author, and speaker. And if you don't know what human design is, you'll find out in this conversation. But I have just a passion for not only wellness, uh, but personal growth, spiritual growth, and That really evolved for me in the last year, particularly because I left my long-term marketing position, career. I call it a retirement because I had been in a nonprofit position doing marketing for a very long time and enjoyed it. And that's what I did. At the same time, I was also doing wellness on the side, teaching yoga, exploring things, and learned about human design. And then in 2020, a lot of us went through different things, different changes, and that was the year I actually had a career change. So I have been focused sharing and teaching about human design because it's a passion of mine. And I have a new book, as you said, coming out. So that's where I am today. And like everybody, I've had, you know, my journey that has led me here. Okay. So let's start at the beginning, which is human design. Before people's eyes glaze over, what does that mean? What does it entail? Yes, it's great to set that foundation. Human design is a system 
similar to astrology, it's based on your birth date. And it's been around since the 80s. It's a tool, I call it, to help you understand who you are. So what most people do, um, whether you're on your own Googling it on the internet or working with someone like me who can explain your chart, you input your birth date into a software on the internet and can get your human design chart, which is really your energetic blueprint. And it's based on your birth date. I call it the blueprint of how you were encoded energetically when you came into this life. And it's fascinating because, again, it's a way to help you understand yourself. So we all know about things like the Enneagram or the um, Myers-Briggs. And what um, we do with those tools is to help us understand our personality, our character, our communication styles, things like that. So this is to help you understand your energy and how things for you operate there's actually 2 billion combinations. So it shows your uniqueness as well. And when I tell people what the chart is and, and what it indicates, it helps people understand a deeper sense of who they are. Now I'm, I'm going to remember that I'm sure I did something like that, probably saw it on someone's website or a blog, and I went to enter my information. So my first question is, because obviously it's your birth date, how important is the time of birth? And I say that only because I, for the life of me, and I always had like my original, uh, A, I'm old. So it was like the microfiche copy from New York City. And that, you know, I had it for my passport that, that actually said what time I was born. Of course, the day I was looking for it, I couldn't find it where it was supposed to be. So I order a new one from the city uh, Bureau of Records, I probably paid for rush because now I wanted to see what was going on. I finally, after rushing it, I get it maybe two weeks later and there's no time on it. And I was just like, are you kidding me? I just paid this money. So a little backstory. So my mom has been gone. She passed away like 35 years ago. My father's still alive. He's going to be 89 this month. And I'm like, all right, this guy never even knew how to spell my name. God love him. But, you know, growing up, he was he was a working father. So I'm like, what are the odds that he's going to remember? So I call him for this random question. I'm like, any idea? Was I born in the morning? Was I born in the afternoon? And he actually told me a story that I certainly didn't know and concluded that I was definitely born before lunchtime. So I was born in the morning. That's as close as I got. Does that still work for people like me that may not know what time they were born? This brings up a good point. And I have gotten this question. I have gotten some folks I do a reading for that don't know the time. So first of all, what I'll say is if you can find it out, like you did trying to order your birth certificate, that's, that's great. Sometimes it makes a difference in a small way. Sometimes it makes a difference in a big way. So if you do know the time of day-ish, that's helpful. But the way that your blueprint um, shows up is based on the alignment of the planets. And that can change. Like we know we just went through, let's say, a full moon and it shows up at a certain time. Or, you know, the fall equinox is at a certain time of day. So it's helpful to know because it can shift 
some of the things in your chart. What I do is I like to teach people something more basic so that they understand sort of the top layers of their chart because there's a lot to understand and human design is not just a one session and you're an expert. So to know that basic information, you may not need to know the exact time, but it can change things. And I do know someone recently who said to me, I had my daughter's wrong, I input the wrong, not only time, I think she might've had the wrong like date because of how it was, the system was asking for it. And she said, oh, I messed up her chart, but she corrected it. So, and there's also people out there who are, I would say like experts at trying to help you find out that time through a process of like intuition that they can help you do that. So um, I don't do that, but we can certainly just check your chart and always see, you know, is it a major difference? So it's a good question and it comes up. When you enter the information, how many categories of design can you be? So good question. And that's really a starting point. There are five types in human design. And that's where I usually start to teach people. The type I call it is like your car model that you're driving around. And we know that there's 12 zodiac signs. So it's like a zodiac sign. You fit into one of those five categories. However, when you look inside the car or under the hood, Not all cars are built the same. They look different. And that's where you start to see your uniqueness. So starting with putting you in one of those five types, for example, the majority, 70% of the population are a type of generator. That's who I am. And that gives me certain qualities that I share with perhaps other generators we like to be productive and busy. It's just, we have this natural energy to do that, but yet we're all built differently. So when you start to look at your chart and uncover again, the deeper part and layers of that chart, not all generators look the same or act the same. And that's important to understand those nuances. Okay. So in addition to that, what else could you be? Great. So five types, the majority are in a category called generators or manifesting generators. Again, those are like the worker bees. They are um, good at getting tasks, following through, completing things. And there are 20% that are other types. The rarest is called the reflector. They are 1%. And I have no t- only two reflectors right now. So oh, <laughs> no right. of personally. Okay. So, very so rare. it's rare. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other rare type is called the manifester. They are about 9% of the population. And then you have projectors that are 20% of the population. What I'll say is most of us in society are programmed to be like a manifester. That is the type that they get a creative hit. They feel innovative and then they go out and make something happen like that Nike slogan, just do it applies to them. We all try to act like manifestors. I was going to say. So if you're, yes. And if you're not (laughs) built in that energy, you can try to make things happen and you can certainly be successful, but it takes a lot of more work. Sometimes you burn out, you feel overwhelmed. And that's what we see happening is that people are not all able to achieve in the same way And that's what makes human design really a useful tool because you understand your energy and how to operate, so to speak, or the best GPS for your car. 
your expertise, what you have learned is how to read, determine, establish what type a person is, and then explain it and kind of break it down to be like, this is why you do this. And this is why maybe you don't like doing that or. Yes. Yeah. There's certain aspects in your chart that help describe again, how your energy operates. For example, you, and I didn't mention the projectors, but the projectors are those who have a lot of insight and wisdom, but aren't always heard. So when we look closer at the energy centers in the body that the chart represents, like your throat, some people have an open throat center, it's called, some are defined. Open throat centers may not always be heard and they need to be invited like to share wisdom. You know, we know that sometimes we talk and we tell somebody something and they don't give us a great reaction. It might indicate that your energy needs more of the invitation. So there are certain strategies and helpful tips to help you operate in your energy design. And that's called living your design. It doesn't mean you have to fix it. You just make different choices and you understand yourself at a deeper level. So you make those different choices. When somebody comes to you for, and is, if I, am I using the term correctly, a reading? Yes. Okay. So a discovery, like, you know, you know, after this is done, you and I, you're going to, you're going to be like figuring me out. <laughs> so that'll be like, that's why I do what I do. And it's not just a answer these questions. Here's the report. Okay. Read on and keep moving. It seems to be there's, there's more. So there's some places you can certainly get a written report. Some people like that. And some people are what we call the investigator energy where they'd like to just get something, dive into a book on their own, make their research. What I like to do is walk somebody through things. So we have a discussion And so that they can ask questions and I can help answer them or point them to resources that can be helpful. So a reading is one way of understanding your chart. And there's certainly some wonderful human design practitioners out there with many different styles. It's kind of like going to a yoga class. You're not going to get the same teacher. And you can go to somebody who can provide you either with that written report or an in-person or virtual um, reading. And yeah, it's a discussion so you can understand that chart. And it does give you some validation because you mentioned like sometimes it helps you understand why you do things a certain way. Um, It gives you validation for things you may have discovered, especially like me, if you're in, in your midlife and you've done inner work and spiritual or personal growth, you've started to uncover ways that you do things that are more natural versus what we're conditioned and taught to do, which is that programming sometimes that just doesn't work for all of us. Is it ever too early? I would think this would be like a real gift, especially to, I'll say, new parents so that they know what they're dealing with. Anyone, I think, that has more than one child knows that it's the roll of the dice. Look at, you know, there's this personality, there's that personality. I have three kids slash great adults that are different across the board. And you know, to figure out 
you know, who likes it this way? What was that? What was his strength? Does it matter what time he's eating a hamburger? He liked it for lot for breakfast instead of for, you know, it didn't matter, but I would think that would give parents really of any age, a real good insight as opposed to staying in the mold, keeping the the teaching and the foundation, well, this is what they're going to learn and this is how they're going to learn it. And we all know everybody learns so differently. Yes. Very good point. I often will get somebody who does a reading for themselves, a mom, let's say, and then they're interested in looking up their children or their... I, did, I think I did my kids when, spouse, I, when yeah. I was trying to do mine. I'm like, that makes yeah. sense. Well, you know, how come I didn't know this sooner? And some practitioners do have a niche in looking and, and at, the, at those charts and providing some parenting tips because it's very true. When you understand, for example, if your child is more empathic, you know, taking on energy or feeling other people's feelings, sensing, and that rare reflector, as an example, 1%, they can sense feelings very much, sometimes without even walking into a room and just knowing kind of a future, future sense of energy. So how do you support that? How do you then use that in your parenting techniques And this also applies even to relationships when you know your partner's um, energy blueprint and you can accept them for who they are and you know who you are and there's a difference. And instead of trying to come to uh, compromise or learn things that they have to be done in the same way, you understand they can be different. And I think the key that you say right there, if I'm hearing correctly, is once you understand like the rhyme and the reason. And, you know, a lot of times perhaps I say things and I've hope thankfully have trained my kids and a lot of people around me that will say, that was kind of mean, you know, that was a little bitchy. And when in fact, I really didn't mean it to be that way. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. You know, believe me, if I want to be a bitch, I'll be a bitch. That part is easy. And I was like, I didn't mean it like that at all. Oh my goodness. So, but that would make sense as to, again, a little more insight that, you know, well, sometimes maybe I either come across a little unfiltered or just too direct for someone that might be sensitive. Does that make sense? Yeah. um, That can go along the lines of communication style as well. I also look at things like even how we, again, work differently. Some energy types are not built for like a nine to five. So certainly your communication style can be affected by that. Also sleep and rest. Some types, it's really important that they have some downtime even before going to bed or they have downtime throughout the day because they just don't have consistent energy that, for example, a generator might. But for all of us, even generators slowing down and tuning into our energy patterns, even if you haven't had a human design reading, that in itself is so important these days because we are energy beings. And if we are overworking, we are not going to be overflowing. We're going to be in struggle or overwhelm, turning into things like frustration and anger and bitterness. Those are, those are often emotions that you're out of alignment to your energy design. 
So the name of the book is? The name of the book is Stop Overworking and Start Overflowing, 25 Ways to Transform Your Life Using Human Design. And it is a collaborative book. So there are 25 authors that I've brought together and each has written a chapter and they have written their human design story, their aha, what it did for them, as well as a tool or technique to help you with your energy management, whether or not you already know your human design. I love, A, I love the title. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan of overflowing. To me, that's, give me that waterfall. It's such great potential. Where did you come up with that? The title or the waterfall? The title, just the word, the, the overflow. Do you use that a lot in your practice? It's just, that's such a great word and visual as something to strive for. Yeah, yes. I think this came from my journey. So I have a background in being Eastern European where they're hard workers. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually a first generation American uh, born ah. here. So I had this formula, I call it, of work hard, study hard, go to college, graduate, then go to a job, work hard until you retire, you have your career. And to follow that formula, and I was in a a nine-to-five job, but I also had uh, yoga teaching on the side and just felt like something wasn't clicking, especially when I looked at how was I evolving? How was my career evolving? How was abundance coming to me? And I started to look at, well, well, where did I learn this work ethic? And was it true for me? And that's what we can often do when we're doing inner work and looking at our ancestral lineage and, and programming and then learning, well, wait a second, is that conditioned in me? Is that what I was told to do? And what if I changed and started to operate in a way that felt more natural to me? What would the results be? So I started to practice that. I mentioned a, a job change a year ago, and I started to practice being more of my generator design. Things started to change, shift. And I started to feel that overflow, that, that natural way of not of flowing in life and feeling more abundant and less overworking. That's got to also come with, because uh, I think some people get a little nervous with that word, because the first one I'm going to think of is as you're, as you're starting to feel differently, I would think your belief level obviously increases. So then again, what perhaps whatever stories you've, you checked off all the boxes that others perhaps thought you should, and you followed suit, especially as first generation, you, you had a lot riding on you a lot more than the average, you know, more than the average. So you, you, you go and you, you follow their path their path. This is what they want for you. And yet you had the insight and the courage to, and, and I also heard earlier, you always knew, you know, the fact that you, you know, found yoga, the fact that you were searching and, and learning that you're listening to the little, the little noise in your head, maybe the little tap on the shoulder And then I think as you start to embrace that, the steps become a little clearer. 
Yeah, I think what happens perhaps for a lot of us is we start to get frustrated or something happens and it's obviously out of our control and we feel maybe defeated. If we can stop and say, well, what's the lesson in this or what is this teaching me or what can I take from this to go forward in a different way? And you know how life can sometimes have to teach us those lessons over and over. Yes, so they do. eventually uh-huh. you start to choose a different way. You ch- start to choose another road without the one with the pothole in it <laughs> that I love that saying. And, and so when you start to choose a different way, do a different dance step, then you s- start seeing different progress. You start seeing different success or abundance. I was speaking a couple of weeks ago with uh, this woman, Michelle Sammons. Uh, She also an author and a coach. And she had said two simple words. And she says, you know, whenever I get a little, a little worked up or, you know, where I'm not sure. And then I start questioning. She's obviously stops, you take a breath and then just says, what next? And I loved that unconditional belief that we all think we have to know all of the answers versus let's see, let's see what's out there. Yeah, that's a a great example too of you said something important, taking a breath. Mm -hmm. Part of what I write about in the book is the need for us to be doing self-care, which doesn't mean just exercising and eating healthy foods and doing yoga, it may mean how are we treating ourselves? How are we creating self-love? How are we connecting to our inner voice or inner wisdom or a higher power? And all of that helps the alignment of your energy as you create clarity, as you slow down, it creates clarity. As you get clarity, you listen to that voice, you see things differently you step out of fears, you step out of this need for controlling, and it starts to, again, flow. And it takes time to, to practice that. It's a muscle that we have to build because, again, we're, we're not programmed that way necessarily from the beginning. We don't know about human design and this idea that we can, can be unique and, and make different choices. We usually tend to follow what people tell us to do right in the beginning. Right. I mean, it, it's easy, I'll say. And they say the brain is, you know, it's a use it or lose it like any muscle. But more importantly, a lot of us in any journey, it's still very new. I mean, I'm on my, I'll say, enlightenment journey and where, you know, I stopped and, and really started putting me as the priority maybe 15 years. I just turned 60 this year. So I was, I was 45 years in, you know, but it gives you, and I don't think I'll ever stop learning. So part of this, why I started this podcast is one big reason, because I think we're all so hard on ourselves. It's like, it doesn't have to be that hard you know, give yourself some grace. The way we talk to ourselves, and I'm just as guilty, and I'm the most positive. I try to be the most motivating. I'm, you know, I'm your biggest cheerleader. If you heard what I would say to myself, and I do quite often, I would never say that to anyone I loved, not my kids, not my good friend. 
even if someone, you know, cut me off, I wouldn't say what I say to myself and what, you know, and then I usually have to catch it and be like, give yourself some grace. It's okay. You know, you're still good. You're still a superstar. And then I have to start, start the whole process again, but because we haven't learned it and it's, and we expect results right away. Well, I just read the book, so I should, I should, you know, I should be the ultimate manifester. Abundance should just come swooshing through my door. Okay. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way because a lot of times we lose sight of it's the journey. Yeah. And something you touched on, we are taught to process everything in our head, in the intellect. And one of the things human design taught me, the reason also for the self-care is being more in your body. The head just houses information and we are taught to make decisions from the head in human design in terms of your energy blueprint, in terms of that operating system, that car model I was talking about. The head is not where we best make decisions. We think we think we can make good decisions, but when we tap into our body wisdom and each of us, depending not just on your type, but again, on your blueprint, have a different way, a little bit different way of making decisions in the body, having, you know, that, that GPS of, oh, this is what, what's telling me to go in this direction. It's a little bit different perhaps than different people. So to know that then you don't rely on the thinking and are overthinking. Again, overworking, overthinking, (laughs) they come hand in hand. I just loved what you said. Say it again about the head. The head is just... The head is just a place for holding information. It receives information. It, we, we can research things. We can take in life through the eyes, through sometimes the third eye, through dreams, let's say, but the decision-making ability resides in the body below the neck. (laughs) Wow. And wow. And wow. Okay. I love that. As people get to understand their human design and then they want to experiment with it and see how, how does life shift for them if they're, for example, not using the head as much as the body, that's one way to then take it to the next step beyond a reading, starting to experiment with your, your energy. So tell me then some of the services, do you work with people one-on-one? Do you do like any mini groups? Do you do courses? Are you, you're mostly online? Sure. And this is where I'm at right now. I Try not to think in the future too far ahead because as a generator, it's what feels right in the moment, what opportunities are are present and what right, what, what are, what again, lights me up in terms of what to offer. So right now I do have a digital course. So if people want to just learn a little bit about human design, I call it a mini course because it's only about an hour. You can find this podcast and listen to it. You can find other interviews um, that I have also posted on my Facebook page. But a digital course is a self-guided way to learn about human design. And then I typically will book a session with somebody to go over their energetic uh, blueprint and chart. And then for those that have done a reading and want to continue on further, I do have a container or space to help support women who are looking to 
on a regular basis, like once a week, we connect through either a sharing circle or uh, I teach a class. And we, we just have a space to experiment with how are we doing? How are we living in that, in that design? What challenges are there? What ways do we need to decondition? And just a whole bunch of ways to support each other, provide sort of coaching, but more in a group setting. Group settings are great because it brings, A, such safety, but more importantly, such validation. Because we go through life thinking we are the only ones going through thinking like this. Nobody, nobody knows what, nobody knows what I'm going through. And then when you're in a group setting, you're not alone. Yeah. And I would say for some designs, some again, people are more internally driven. They want to do the investigation on their own and they do their journaling and they're experimenting on their own. And yet others like to collaborate or connect. And that's certainly part of my design, even to bring people together to help them provide them with resources that's called a connector. So some people prefer that group setting and it helps them also connect, bond to each other. And yes, know that other people are on the journey with them. That is wonderful. So where can everybody start with your social? Where do you hang out? Give me all your handles. Where are we going to find you? Thank you. I am on Instagram at Christy H. Sullivan. And that's Christy with an I, K-R-I- K-R-I-S-T-I. We're going to have all of this in the show notes, but take note now, everybody. Go ahead. And the website is www.christyhsullivan.com. And then I have a Facebook group. And the way I say along the same theme is facebook.com slash Christy H. Sullivan. All right. And the name of the book again? Name of the book again is Stop Overworking and Start Overflowing. And there's a link on my website to it, as well as it's available on Amazon, but I am signing copies and we have some wonderful authors. Oh, go to the website. Yeah. Oh, the, oh yeah. absolutely. Go yeah. to the website and, and get it. Yeah. It's worth the, I'm, I'm a sucker for a signed copy. I, you know, before COVID, I would always, Hey, I love a bookstore. It's my happy place. But then if there was anyone coming to sign that I, I would wait on the line. I met so many people and yeah, yeah, it's nice. I have a collection too. It's it's nice to meet the author. Yeah. So one day maybe, not yet, but I might take it on the road. Um, but certainly uh reach out through social media. That's one of the best ways or my website. Well, I I have to thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is just just the beginning and and so many people I'm like, let's just get a little taste because we're going to be coming back for more more in depth. Perhaps, you know, I would love to have you back again season 2 and we can really delve into, you know, the different types and and see what else there is to discover about human design. That would be great. I would love to be back. And so great again to connect, Stephanie. Thank you for holding this space for us. Absolutely. So thank you everyone for listening. This was a good one. I, I was like counting down the hour as I want. I'm like human design. Yes. So check out Christy again. So appreciate all of your comments, all of your support. 
catch us wherever you listen to your pods on Apple, on Spotify, on iHeart. I think we're everywhere, thankfully. Comments, leave them on the website, www.joyfoundhere.com. And until next week, be well, be kind, have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this. We'll be right back.